So this week, it was really cool. My father-in-law is a veteran. And so Ellie and Jason's school, South McKeel, was doing a thing to honor the veterans. And I only got to see pictures of it. And um, so I saw some pictures that my wife took on Facebook. And it was so cool because they did this Veterans Day breakfast. And then what they did with the veterans next was so cool. They, all the kids lined up throughout the hallways of their school. And they marched the veterans through the hallways. And they were clapping for them as they walked. And I saw Sharon Gelsinger's dad weeping as they marched. And the kids were just clapping for them. And it made me think that when we die and we go to heaven, that all those who have gone before us are going to line up. And if Jesus has looked at us and said, well done, good and faithful servant, all those who have gone before us are going to sit there and they're going to clap as we're walking down. My question is, are you being faithful? Are you growing in Christ? As we continue today with our F260 plan, I thought, I keep thinking, man, there's so much in these readings. There's all the biggies. There's the walls of Jericho coming down. I'm like, I got songs. We can sing with that. All these things. Lord, give me the biggies to do on the sermons. But he just gave me this little bit, this nugget that I, in the scripture that hit me. And I felt the Lord say, this is where you're at, Brian. And this is where TVA is at. So with that in mind, I want to open up to Joshua chapter 4. And starting in verse 10, and it says, On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. Now remember, Passover brought them out of Egypt. Remember, Jesus celebrated another Passover, and it got renamed. He redid it. Remember the Lord's Supper, a picture of our salvation? Keep that in mind. Verse 11, the day after the Passover, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. And this is what I want you guys to hear. It's verse 12. The manna stopped the day after they ate the food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites. Remember in the desert, in the wilderness, God provided bread from heaven. It rained down and they would gather and that's what they ate. But when the day they stepped over, after they celebrated Passover, they stepped over into the promised land, the manna stopped, and they ate from the land, and they had to start producing of the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites, but that year they ate of the produce of Canaan. You see, in Joshua 4, and right before that, we find something amazing. We find a spiritual journey. In Joshua 4, we find a spiritual journey from birth to maturity, See, often the Old Testament is an allegory for a later truth in the New Testament. Let me show you. In chapter 4, right before this happens, Joshua circumcises the camp. They're circumcised at Gilgal. Gilgal means to roll away or cuts away their shame of Egypt. They celebrated Passover. Remember, Lord's Supper, right? And the next day, they eat of the land and the manna stops. Paul says in Colossians this, In Jesus, also, you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh. That's the sinful nature by the circumcision of Christ in your heart. Your heart needs to be circumcised. You need new life. This is a picture of salvation. God has rolled away our guilt and shame. 
Jesus came to give us eternal life to pass over. He said, I came to give life and life more abundant. Jesus has abundant life. And the picture of stepping into the promised land and out of the desert is a picture from going from our flesh into the abundant promised land, the abundant life that Jesus came and died to give us. The promised land is the victory we can choose to walk in. But remember, it came with a fight, right? But what I want you to see is that this new birth and this new beginning in the land parallels our journey of our spiritual growth. So picture the journey. They're in the desert, and every day they wake and gather food from heaven called manna. The psalm says it was literally angel bread from heaven. And when they cross over, they have to eat from the land and cultivate the land. The manna stops. Listen, the Israelites aren't farmers. They've been in Egypt. They didn't farm. They've been in the desert. They were fed from heaven. It came pretty easy for them. Now they have to get their hands dirty in the soil and learn to grow and be patient and wait and to cultivate and tend the ground every day. They had to move from dependency to independent dependence. Why do I say independent dependence? Because we're always dependent on the Lord, but he's calling us to grow up. They went from receiving manna to cultivating manna. Manna is a picture of spiritual food. Every word that comes from his mouth, we are to live off, Deuteronomy says. The living word of God wants to feed you from the word of God. That's why we're doing this F260 plan. They had to move from being fed to becoming self-feeders. This physical picture of them crossing over into the land is a picture of our spiritual lives. The Lord wants to take you from being a spiritual baby to maturity. We are called to grow up, and growing up is a choice. It's called spiritual formation. Think of what a farmer has to do, or a gardener, in cultivating the ground. Spiritual formation also involves cutting, weeding, digging, raking, and planting. Sometimes, like Brian Legg, you got to get a chainsaw or a shovel out. Because if you're like me, this heart is so stubborn, I need a chainsaw to start moving the things out of my life so that God can start working. Is anybody else like me? See, these are the four stages. We all go through from spiritual birth to maturity. And while I'm primarily talking about spiritual formation... These parallel our marriages, our relationships, and even parenting. And students, you're somewhere in the process of this too as you're growing to become men and women. So think about that as we get going. The first is this stage is give me, give me. This is where we all start. Every spiritual baby that's received Christ, every marriage, every parent with a newborn, it all starts at this stage, right? And I want to reference the prodigal son parable Jesus used in Luke 15, verse 10. If you remember, the younger son goes to his father and says, give me the portion that falls to me. In other words, he's selfish. Every baby starts here, give me. Every parent wants their child to grow out of the give me stage, amen? Manna is okay, right, in this stage of life. They need milk, right? They need a bottle. We start here spiritually. This is the passing over into the land, the transition. We are born again and in the infant stage of spiritual birth. 
And God, listen to this, God does not resent that you are in that stage. God does not resent if you're a new Christian or maybe you're kicking the tires on Christianity. He doesn't resent that you need the bottle. He doesn't resent that. If you think about it, we all get saved out of selfishness, right? Think about it. We get saved out of self-centeredness, but we still have those tendencies, right? We get saved because we don't want to go to hell. That's not a bad reason to get saved, right? Or we made such a big mess of our lives, we need someone to clean up, and so we came to Jesus. But here's what you need to know. He wants us to grow up. Same with our marriages. When you start off in marriage, the honeymoon's great, amen? But after that, two selfish people are trying to learn to be selfless. Right on? Come on, amen, somebody? Okay, there you go. That's cool. So don't tell me you don't say this because we don't say this out loud. But in the give me stage of marriage, we say, love me the way I want you to. Meet my needs. Give me and prove your love to me. I know we don't say that, but we act like that. And parents, you know that in the baby stage, right? In the give me stage, things better come fast or else, right? Walmart, you just go to Walmart and you'll find that give me is a very true thing, right? See, the Lord is good with that. The problem is, is that we have churches filled with 40-year-old babies still saying give me. And he's not good with that. There's something wrong about a Christian who never experiences growth. Trust me, if you had a baby that was not growing, you take them to the doctor, right? You would. You see, Paul encountered this in Hebrews. He said this, about this we have much to say and it's hard to explain. Since you have become dull of hearing, remember that, dull of hearing. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature. Now listen to what it says. Who by constant use have trained, somebody else trained them? No. Trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Constant use. And in the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 3 2 through 3, he says this. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? Did you hear the marks of a believer that ought to be growing? That 40-year-old frozen in life moment? Worldliness, jealousy, and quarreling, which leads to our next stage. Use me. Now, this sounds good at first, right? This is, use me so I can be seen, significant, or feel important. Every Christian goes through this. I want to be seen. I want to have value. I want to have worth. Those things in and of themselves are not bad. The problem is, is how we try to earn or get them or how it's played out. It's called selfish ambition. Jesus told the Pharisees and the crowd in John 12, 43, you love human praise more than the praise from God. Let me ask you, is your whole life to look good in front of others, searching for significance, the praise of man? Jesus continues, he says this in John 5, chapter 5, verse 44, 
How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from God? When you measure yourself by others, when you're self-seeking, and when you measure yourself by others, we call it comparison, and comparison is a sin. Now listen, everybody does this. Don't tell me you don't compare yourself to others or what they have or what they do. Everybody has sinned and done this. So let me ask you, and let me tell you, comparison, you never win. It produces two things, inferiority or superiority. There's no other choice. When you compare yourself to someone, you're either going to feel inferior or you're going to feel superior. Let me put it another way. If you don't believe you haven't done this, insecurity or pride. Most people are held back from growth because of insecurity and pride. And it's often due to comparison, which leads to selfish ambition. See, selfish ambition is used in the Bible seven times. And it's one word. It's not selfish ambition. It's selfish ambition. There is no word just for ambition. It doesn't exist in the Bible. Well, you're like, what about a person with drive? Okay, but why do they have drive? God wants to drive selfish ambition out of us. God doesn't want people to do what they think is best. He wants them to do what he knows and thinks is best. See, when you're in that moment and growing in the Father and growing in the Lord, that's when you say, Lord, you know what is best. A positive example of this is John the Baptist. He must become more and I must become less. A negative example is Simon the magician in Acts 8, 19, who sees the power of Holy Spirit and says, give me this power also. His drive was not to glorify God. His drive was to be popular among the people. How often do we buy something, want something, or even want something from God, like his spiritual gifts? And our motives are give me something so I can have power to be seen. Use me so I can be seen, have worth and value, and be respected. Think of this stage in marriages. See, this is the stage in marriage where we think, I'm not going to get happiness out of this person, so I've got to do something about being happy. This is where divorce, cheating often happen in this stage. Listen, happiness does not come from an earthly someone. It comes from Jesus. Every drug, every affair, every divorce is really just a replacement for Jesus. You're asking something of someone that only Jesus can be to you. Luke 15, 13, the younger son in the stage, at this stage is sexually active, wealth squandered. Sex and riches do not make you happy. TBA, God did not save you to make you happy, but to kill you, to die to yourself. Yes, he saved you, that, and that should make you happy, but he knows the only way you'll be happy is if you die to yourself. Luke fifteen twenty nine. there's an older brother in the story, and he's mad because the father accepts the younger brother back. Remember the father's response. It's the most beautiful thing in the scripture. He says, my son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. What he's saying is, son, you've been right beside me. You've missed the most important thing. You've missed the relationship. You want stuff and all of this is yours, but you've missed me. 
In other words, at this stage of growth, what God wants to teach you is it's not what I can give you, child. It's you can be with me. It's not about how the world measures you. It's about how I measure you. From self-centeredness to Jesus-centeredness. Let me put it this way if you haven't gotten it by now. It's not about you. It'll never be about you. And it has never been about you. It's all about him. It will always be about him. So let's humble ourselves and make it all about him. Many people want God to call them to a big assignment. This is the stage the Lord is trying to say it's not about what you do that defines you, but it's about my love defining you. Ask yourself, if God never gave me a big house, a big ministry, a big whatever it is, whatever you're asking, a big blessing, but simply if Jesus came and asked you, is my love good enough for you, would you be content? Was what he did on the cross good enough for you? Because I don't know about you, but when I reflect on the cross and I see how unworthy I am, that he saved me and he bought me with his very precious blood, I don't know that I have a right to say, God, this is what you should do in my life. Would you be content? Many people want God to call them to that big thing, to be big stuff. However, they try to bypass the love relationship. The love relationship is why God created you. This is far more important to him than anything you do for him. God is far more interested in the development of your character than he is in what you do for your job or where you live or how much money you have in the bank. Spiritual growth is all about Jesus. That's it. The next stage is this. Search me and shape me. Now we're moving into maturity. This is when the prodigal son comes to the father and it says he came to himself. In other words, when he began to search his own heart to face the dark realities in his heart. Psalm 113 or 119 says this, verse 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is where you search your heart and you ask him to search yours. Test me, try me. How many are bold enough to say, God, test me, try me? This is character shaping. The motives of the heart are exposed by the word of God. It's when we let this word, the living and active word of God, sharper than any double-edged sword that divides joint and marrow and soul and spirit, when we begin to let it activate in our lives, you see, this thing is like a scalpel cutting out the cancer of our souls, and it's a healer reaching into the dark places where we need the Lord the most. He wants to reach into the deepest parts in you, into the deepest parts of you. The petty things of me are melting away when I allow him in. This is the stage the Lord is trying to drive out of you the tendency that every time you have a problem, you blame God or someone else. And in the darkest moments, you learn to cling to him instead of blame him. This is where sin is taken seriously. You're beholding a holy God and seeking to be holy. You understand you represent his name and his name is holy. Jesus addressed this to the seven churches in Revelation. He outlines holiness, to love him most, 
to separate from sin, to unfriend worldliness, to overflow with his spirit, to live a crucified life. In Psalm 119 that we just read, it says, search me, Lord, search me, search me. I'm tired of hiding. That means no hiding from his holy eyes that are gazing upon your heart. Your heart's already laid before him. But asking his holy eyes to reach into the darkest places of your heart. Are you hiding from the Lord? Hiding in fear to the things he's asked you. How diligently are you searching your heart and asking him to search you? This is the stage that you say, I'm more interested in the Father and him shaping me than my own pursuits. You're moving from feelings to faith. And as intense and as intimate as these moments are at this stage, in contrast, at the same time, are the times the Lord will let you experience moments he seems far away or distant so you won't depend on anything else but him. This is where you learn to say, Lord, I don't see change, but you're the change maker, so I'm gonna keep my eyes on you. I don't see the promise, but I'll keep my eyes on the promiser. I don't see deliverance, but I'll keep following the deliverer. You're allowing him to shape you. You crawl up daily on the altar as a living sacrifice. See, we start to see people and circumstances differently. He's using it all to shape us. See, in the other stages, people and circumstances, we often blame God and others for our problems. This is the stage where God puts a tube over us. He says, get your eyes off of everybody else. I'm looking at you. How are you going to respond in this moment, child? I'm not worried about how they respond. I'm worried about you. I want you to trust me. I want you to search your heart and realize that I'm with you and I'm walking with you. This is where you realize he's shaping you into the image of his son. But it's our choice to be pliable in his hands. Henry Blackaby says this, the fact that God can bring character development and personal growth out of any situation is conditional on people's willingness to submit to God's will. God is sovereign over every life, but those who yield their will to him will be shaped according to his purposes. When God directs a life for, for his purposes, all life is a school. No experience, good or bad, is ever wasted. God doesn't squander people's time. He doesn't ignore their pain. He brings not only healing, but growth out of even the worst experiences. Every relationship, listen, every circumstance can be God's instrument to mature a person's character. And he hasn't forgotten you, and he's faithful. Trust him. This is the last stage. Make me, make me, make me a vessel for the master's use. Make me a servant, a kingdom builder, a son who hasn't arrived, who hasn't arrived, but realizes I'm responsible for my spiritual growth and the spiritual growth of others. I will be a faithful steward of his kingdom. I'm called to share my life and the gospel with others. It's a holy calling and a call to persevere in that holy calling. This is the daily wrestling with the soil. Remember we talked about farmers and cultivation. This is cultivating the kingdom. It's a son or a daughter working side by side 
with the heavenly father. See, you did work before, but now he's saying, here's my heart, child. This is my heart for the world. Come walk side by side me. Let's do this. This is where the older son realizes he has all that the father has and he's always with him. Is that you? God wants to work in you right now. The word cultivation itself is a gardening term. How many of you try to garden anything? I'm not allowed to. Nobody's spoken that over me, but I speak it over myself. Don't allow me to. But that's what we're talking about. That's the spiritual life. And it brings forth images of planting, watering, tending the soil, and eventually harvesting. This is a stage where you're called alongside the master to do his work and to walk with him and know his heart and his heart brokenness. And if that's you in this stage, this is his word to you right now. Look to the farmer and don't grow weary. You see, the tendency in this stage is to be overwhelmed, to be battle-worn and weary. At times, we stand with the soil cupped in our hands, wondering if our labor matters or will amount to anything in the end. How do I continue in all that God has called me to do without growing weary? Especially when the work is demanding or I don't see the fruit or I relapse and I feel like I'm going back to the give me and use me stages. How many of you are there? That was me a week and a, that was me a couple days ago probably. And the harvest appears so far in the future. This is God's word to you, James 5, 7. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. Cultivating is a lifetime commitment. It's easy to grow weary. You see, as we mature, as we become more like Christ, the Lord often shows us more that he wants to work on. You really got some give me stuff that we need to work on. You really got some use me stuff where you're trying to seek worth from the world and the praise of men, and we're going to work on that. That's me. That's me. That's why the scripture encourages us to look to the farmer as an example. Paul tells Timothy to be strong in the grace of Christ. He points specifically toward the hardworking farmer in 2 Timothy 2.6. In Galatians, he says, and it's on the screen, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. It's a call to endurance and obedience. Our lives, like the farmers, are ongoing in various exercises in learning to trust God despite what we can see today. What's before your eyes today? He wants you to trust Him. It takes waiting patience and perseverance listen no matter what you see today trust him trust him that's all he's asking you is trust him trust me son trust me daughter that's all he wants from you right now see sometimes we're plowing away right we're trying to do this christian thing we're plowing away we're trying to move rocks out of the way and the thing if you know anything about plowing you got to keep a straight line you can't go to the left or the right you can't look to the left or the right I did that two a week ago. I don't know when it was. I'm looking to the left or the right, and I'm almost taking my hands off the plow, and I need brothers around me to say, you hold on to the plow, and you look straight ahead. See, that's where many of us are. We're starting to look to left and right, but when you're plowing, you must go on. Keep going. It's hard sometimes to see growth. Wait on him. 
continue to serve him. Sometimes we're praying and we don't see answers. Keep praying. Continue to be committed to growth. He doesn't give up on you. You don't give up on him. Consider the farmer. TV, I believe this is what the Lord has called this church to do. Grow up. We are either growing or we're dying. It's impossible to stay the same. You don't accidentally grow. You don't become accidentally holy, just as you don't become accidentally unholy. You work at something, either becoming holy or unholy. You're either growing or not growing. In cultivation, there's a principle that can be explained by physics. In physics, all matter is in one of three states. There's dynamic energy, static energy, and entropic energy. Dynamic energy means it's growing. Static energy means it's stopped growing. And entropic means it's on its way to dying. It's in a point of chaos or decay. All of us in here in our spiritual walk are in one of those three states. Where are you? So often you ask someone who has fallen away, how did you end up here? What do they say? I don't know. And then slowly they begin to name a few things. Well, it started when, and then you see the picture unfold. They gave up doing the things that will be healthy when it got hard and stopped doing nothing. And they started doing nothing and they started doing the things that are unhealthy. Listen, if you're not living your life on purpose for Christ, you're in danger because you're not going to grow accidentally. And what you pursue determines the direction of your life. Ask yourself, am I in contact with holy things or unholy things? Do I set my eyes on holy things or unholy things? Do I think holy things or unholy things? Do I have vain imaginations because I'm discontent where I am in life? Or do I believe I have a holy calling, a God-given destiny that says, I will go forward, I will do hard things, I'll pursue the Lord. See, joy results from long-term faithfulness, not in the momentary passing pleasures of life. You keep chasing all the things that God chased down you for because he's still chasing you you don't give up you set your hands on that plow and you look forward you don't look to the left or the right you keep going in the direction Jesus called you to go that's what he's asking trust me keep going keep your eyes on the prize when we stand in eternity God is going to ask what we did with our lives did I make the choice to follow him was I growing Was I a faithful steward? Will they stand in the hallway and clap and say, well done, good and faithful servant? Joshua, Joshua 24, reaffirmed the covenant with the people. He asked them a challenging question. He asked it to their families and as individuals and to their children. And I ask it to you today as an individual, as family, as married couples, wherever you're at and whatever walk in life you are at. And I ask it to TBA Church. This is what Joshua said. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. Is that you? And Joshua went on and said, now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Band, you can come up. TBA, will you choose whom this day you will serve? Will you pursue the things of the Lord because he's pursued you? What stage are you in? Give me, use me. What stage? Search me. Will you choose this day to serve the Lord? Will he be your God? Can you say he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and me, and my family, and we will serve the Lord? Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for your deep conviction, Father. I thank you that you, God, are aware of every heart in this room, every thought, Father, is laid before you. Lord, speak to that right now. Holy Spirit, speak, Father, with deep conviction. Father, answer questions right now that are are stirring in minds and hearts. Holy Spirit, come and, and just place your powerful conviction upon people. Lord, you're calling this church to obedience, Father. You're calling us to grow up, Lord God. I pray that you would do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, TBA, this is the journey that TBA Church is on right now. Grow up. Choose to grow. Choose to go in my direction. Choose this day whom you will serve. So I'm going to ask you, families, married couples, singles, individuals, I'm going to ask you, if you feel led, either you bow down where you're at in your seats and pray Say, God, I choose this day, I will serve you. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Or maybe you want to come up here and bow down and say, Lord, I'm committed. This house is yours. This church is yours. My family is yours. It only took one generation in Joshua to stray away from the Lord. That's how important you are to your children. That's how important you are to this church. That's how important, students, your journey is in life. Every day you're making a choice. You're choosing life or death. What will it be? Let's stand and let's continue to worship. And as you're worshiping, if you want to come up here and bow and pray, and if you don't know Jesus today, listen, we talked about going from the desert into the promised land. You can't go into the abundant life Jesus has for you if you're not saved, if you don't know Jesus. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through the Son. The only way you get into the promised land, the only way you get eternal life is through Jesus, not in your own strength. If you don't know Jesus today and you know you don't know, you need to come back to next steps. We're going to be waiting there for you to pray. Pray to follow Jesus with all your heart. But TBA, it's time that we are committed. We're committed to growing as a church and serving the Lord with our families. Come up when you're ready and pray. Bow down where you're at when you're ready. In Jesus' name, amen.